Let me pray for us. Can you guys hear me? Good. Uh, Lord, thank you for uh, this passage and for this amazing story with Jonah. We pray for your Holy Spirit to um, speak to us tonight on uh, the midst of uh, the semester. Lord, um, would you bring your truth about to our hearts, to my heart, to, our, to these students' hearts? Um, and we thank you for this picture of uh, a song of praise for your salvation. And uh, we thank you for that in Christ's name. Amen. Um, okay, so this is, we're continuing our, you know, study with Jonah, the prophet, and the wilderness saints. The wilderness that Jonah is in is due to the fact that he has sinned. And he, a prophet who knows the Lord, ran away from the presence of God, and God in his grace, he loves his children so much that he um, will discipline us, and he will bring us around to repentance and to faith, and Jonah was called to go to that great city, Nineveh, and preach against it because of the evil uh, and the violence in that city, and Jonah went the other way, tried to go to Tarshish, which is on the other side of the Mediterranean, and uh, if you remember last week, God sent a storm. He sent sailors who were basically um, investigating, interrogating him, and through that, um, and ended up throwing him into the sea. And uh, this fish swallowed up Jonah. And so, the key passage in this, I think, is salvation is from God. And before we kind of dive into the passage. I just want to like talk about that a little bit. Um, why do we need saving? You know, you've probably seen those like neon signs, Jesus saves. And uh, Christians are interested in saving people. And we're interested that people would be saved. If you're new to the faith or if you're confused about that, what does that mean? Well, all through the scriptures, really from Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve fell and they disobeyed God, there's been a separation. There's been a death that has happened. That ever since Adam and Eve disobeyed God, uh, the curse of sin has been upon all peoples from all ages in every place. This separation has ultimately brought death, physical death. But more than that, it's brought uh, spiritual death, a separation from the God. And so the creator God who knows you and who created you because of our sin, we've been separated from that now. Um, and so the Bible, the big story of the Bible is God redeeming a people, saving a people for himself to restore that relationship. And so you have that picture right here in Jonah where salvation is from the Lord. Um, if you're new to the Bible as well, this idea of sin, what is that? Well, it's simply uh, going against God's law. Some people have called it a worship disorder. Basically, our hearts desire uh, to serve anything but the God who created us. Uh, and we make everything into an idol. And so we actually serve false gods or false idols. And so we do that all the time. That's another picture of what sin looks like. It, it's simply a worship disorder. So we might worship the creation or created things or our careers or our GPA or 
money or the corporate climbing the corporate ladder or Wall Street, you know, money, wealth, power, sex, uh, entertainment, security, all of these things, which are ultimately good things. We make ultimate things. And what the Bible says is we make those things into false gods and we forget about the true God and we worship that stuff. And that stuff ends up destroying us and putting us in bondage. And so the Bible, the big picture of the Bible is like, how can we be saved from that, from the destruction of our own hearts, which seek idols? And so Jonah gives us a wonderful picture of, of in this moment of his life, of him realizing what a big sinner he is and how salvation is from the Lord. And so I'm simply going to look at three little points from this passage that kind of unpack salvation. What is it? What's the DNA of it? Or for you engineers out there, if you took a cross section of salvation, what would it look like? Well, the first thing is it's, it looks like it comes from God. It's about God's actions. And even in the beginning, we looked at, uh, we read um, verse 17 where God, it says, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. <clears throat> Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Remember, the fish is his personal rescue submarine for three days. You know, he's in the belly of a great fish, but he is alive. He is breathing. And this is the testimony of his prayer while he is sloshing around in the belly of this great fish and all the, you know, juices of the stomach. But he is alive and he is breathing, okay? Um, we believe this is a real story. It's not fiction. It's not a um, some sort of tale or fairy tale of the Old Testament. Jesus mentions Jonah uh, in his teaching about how he was going to bring about the sign of Jonah in his death and resurrection. So, the fish is not judgment. <laughs> the fish saved Jonah. And God was behind that. He appointed a fish to swallow him. This is, so I want you to see that the fish is salvation for him in that moment, physical salvation. But ultimately, it brings him to repentance and either renewal or uh, salvation for the first time. And so remember, he's running from God, from the presence of God. Some, you know, three times it mentions that in chapter one. And, you know, God creates the storm and ultimately he's thrown into the water. And at that point, you know, he is running away. Um, he is basically serving the idol of security. Of, I don't want to do this calling of going to the enemies of Israel, Assyria, to the city of Nineveh. He hated these people. There was probably the idol of Hebrew nationalism. Uh, Israel was going through a time of prosperity. And so Jonah is running away, and God is creating this storm, and God is creating this discipline. But ultimately, right here, uh, Jonah is experiencing God's grace, even though it was a smelly, nasty, weird kind of grace where he's in the belly of this, this 
exists, but he is alive, okay? And God is intervening. And so Jonah recognizes that God's in this trial. Look at verse three. He says, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea. Uh, seas and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Verse six, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. And so, you know, to some extent, this is a metaphor of how God is saving him, but ultimately God saved him in this, the belly of this fish, that God is the one who saves. Jonah is running away. Jonah wants to get as far away from God and his will. God creates this storm and he brings this fish to grab his attention. And the, the point is, is that this is the work of God doing this. Um, and, and ultimately, what we have in the scriptures is salvation is from the Lord, from Genesis to Revelation, that people are sinners for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. That we, uh, like uh, John Calvin says, we have, we make idols in our hearts. Our hearts are like idol factories. And so we are separated from God. We are dead in our sins. We can't reach out to God. We're spiritually dead, Ephesians 2 says, that we can't, you know, have enough uh, willpower to reach out for God. God must say, that's what the scriptures say time and time again. He regenerates our hearts so that we can believe and reach out. But it's God's work of salvation. Um beginning, middle, and end. And so um, there's a, an old story I heard from Jack Miller. You may have seen, a, it's like an old picture of Jesus, you know, with the white robe and the brown hair standing beside like this door and uh, he's knocking and underneath it has Revelation 3, like, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone comes in, you know, opens the doors, I will come in and eat with him. And Jack Miller talked about that picture of uh, that salvation is not like that. It's not like this nice Jesus standing out the so outside the door knocking nicely. Uh, <laughs> instead, what salvation is ultimately is Jesus is out there knocking on the door, right? And we're putting the couch against it. We're taking the refrigerator. We're taking anything we can. We're building up our walls because we don't want a salvation. We want to do what we want to do. And then the Holy Spirit comes in the basement and he starts lighting couches on fire and there's smoke going on and everything. And then all of a sudden we come out. That's how salvation works. It's, it's usually some trial, something where we really see like we're at the end of our wits and we need God. And so um, God is the one who gives us salvation. So you know, as you think about this time we're in, the COVID-19 time, and we're kind of coming out of that, but um, how's it been for you? You know, I, in the beginning, I kept asking, pray that God would show you, like, God, what do you want to teach me during COVID-19? Um, you know, that's kind of been the big trial that he's brought with the whole world, you know? We believe he's sovereign, that he's not the author of evil, but he uses things like um, this pandemic we've been going through to teach us and to show us what has God been showing you you know has he been revealing idols in your life has he been revealing certain sins uh certain things that you 
like need to deal with. Um, and so continue to ask him that um, because he is sovereignly in control. Ask him to teach you uh, what's going on um, with your life, with your trials. He, you know, God often brings trials when uh, he's trying to get our attention. And so a lot of people don't ask questions when everything's going good. When things start going bad, when there's relationship issues, family issues, health issues, you know, break up with your boyfriend or girlfriend, um, fail a class, you know, like bail out of your major or whatever it is. Then you begin to ask like, God, what do you want me to do? So pay attention. What is God teaching you? Cry out to him. Secondly, God's actions bring about a humility in Jonah. We didn't see that in chapter one. We see him running away, but now we see humility and repentance. Um, he's praying now. This is a prayer. Chapter two, um, he says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord. I called out to the Lord out of my distress. And he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. Sheol is the place of death. I cried and you heard my voice. And so this entire song, this entire uh, chapter is somewhat like a psalm. There's something like eight different sections that are borrowed from the Psalms or sound a lot like the Psalms. Psalm 69, one and two says, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I have come into deep waters and the flood swept over me. Psalm 69, 14, deliver me from sinking in the mire. Let me be delivered from my enemies. Let not the flood sweep over me or the deep swallow me up. Uh, Psalm 3, 4, I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me. So you see, Jonah is familiar with the Psalms. So, you know, he's writing this prayer, but it's it sounds a lot like a bunch of other Psalms. That's important to note that Jonah was a prophet of the Lord. He knew the Old Testament. He knew the Psalms. And, and these things are coming to mind. And he's understanding that he needs to be praying like the psalmist is praying. And his heart now is finally praising God and praying to God and crying out to God. And it looks like turning from his idols. Um, God is changing his will. Um, you know, it's, it's not just get me out of here, Lord. There seems to be something deeper going on because he's praying this prayer while he's in the belly of the fish. He didn't know he didn't know if God was going to rescue him, but you see in the prayer a confidence that God was working salvation in, in him or repentance. It's only after the prayer that the Lord vomit has the, the, the fish vomit him out. But it seems like he he is he is saved or he is repented even in the midst of being in the fish, not afterwards, okay? So um, he says in the middle of the, you know, being in the fish, verse four, then I said, I'm driven away from your sight, yet I shall look upon your holy temple. Um, and so turning to the temple is a frequent thing we see also in some of David's Psalms. Why is that? Why does the psalmist want to turn to the temple? Why does Jonah want to turn to the temple? Well, that's where the Lord deals with sin. 
And he was sensing, man, I'm a sinner. I've been running away from the presence of God. But the temple is where sin is dealt with in the sacrifice. It's where we're made right. Verse 7 and 8, when my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. What a great verse. Jonah seeing that he's been paying regard to vain idols. You know what, like, like we said, the idol of maybe nationalism, of security, of peace. I don't want to do what God wants me to do. I don't want to go to that other country that's our enemies. Assyria would 50 years later come and destroy Israel. And so Jonah is understanding that idolatry uh, is a false god, and he has been worshiping himself and his own security, his own peace. He's been worshiping maybe this false notion of Israel being uh, God's only people and, and has forgotten the great mission of God for all peoples. So God is, God is getting his attention, um, and he's replacing the worship of idols with the worship of the Lord. Um, and so you can't have salvation or truly know God without this kind of humility where you're like seeing the depth of your sin and you're seeing, and you can't grow in your relationship with God without continually repenting and seeing your idols that are still at work. See, that's the thing. The, the Christian can relate to the unbeliever because we recognize that, man, our hearts are idolatrous. We need that. We need to know um, that we're just as big as sinners as anyone that's not even a believer. But that, And that's the way we can show them what it means to repent because we're, we're humbled and, and our sin is just as great as theirs. And so God is teaching Jonah a great lesson about uh, his own heart and the idols of his heart. Um, so what are your idols? You know, what are the things that you're holding on to? Dan Allender wrote, uh, follow the tears of people and you will find their idols. Follow the tears of people and you will find their idols. What's he getting at? Well, basically, our greatest hurts, our greatest sorrows often are connected with our idolatry. Like maybe there's a great disappointment uh, or maybe there's great regret about something. Um, and there's great brokenness and tears that when we think about those things, um, and often those are connected with like our, our idolatry or maybe over wanting something and we're not satisfied in the Lord. We are um, still uh, broken by those things. And so um, what are your idols? What, and, and what does repentance look like? Well, it simply says acknowledging those things like, forgive me, God, for my lust. Forgive me. I confess, you know, my over desire for something or for money. I confess that to you. Change my heart. Um, it lo repentance looks like if it's a money issue, like do you tie? Do you give your uh, some of your money to the Lord's work? Um, it looks like going the other way. So if you're running away from God, stopping and saying, God, I'm running away. Like, what do you want me to do? Repentance looks like sharing the gospel. Uh, it looks like 
going to church and worshiping God instead of just doing what you want to do, like on the Lord's day. So repentance has is multiple faceted with how we live our lives and asking God who sees everything to be uh, present with us so that we would follow him. Last thing is salvation gives thanks to another. Uh, verse nine, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. Thanksgiving is all about saying, uh, I'm not the end of my salvation. Someone, I'm thanking you, God. I'm thanking someone else. And so uh, Jonah is ultimately thanking God for the sacrifice uh, that the temple worship was centered on a sacrifice for his sins, um, that sinners could be made righteous with God uh, through his blood, that's, through the blood that's been shed. And so, you know, um, <laughs> we can't, think about these passages without thinking about the Lord Jesus, right? Because every story in the Old Testament somehow points to Jesus. Well, I think it's here because the the thanksgiving for the sacrifice is ultimately um, fulfilled in the Lord Jesus, who was that perfect lamb, that spotless lamb, uh, who takes away the sins of the world, who, who brings back reconciliation with the Father, for us. And so um, Jesus ultimately talks about Jonah uh, in the midst of a conversation he had with the Pharisees. Uh, and Matthew says to them, he replied, they were wanting him to do another sign, you know, like wow us with another miracle. And Jesus says this, a wicked and adulterous generation demands a sign. But none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so the Son of Man himself will be three days, three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now one greater than Jonah is here. What did he mean? Well, he's talking about being the fact that he is the greater one, that he is the greater Jonah, who was thrown in to the sea of God's wrath and justice and judgment for us. Jesus, when he went to the cross, was separated from God. Jesus was not, uh, you know, he was not rescued from God on the cross. The Lord Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jonah was saved out of that in the fish, but Jesus was left to die. Why? So that he would pay for our sins and our idolatry and our, uh, our false, you know, idols that we serve so that we would be restored. And so that we would know that salvation is from God, is from the Lord Jesus and what he did on the cross, his death and resurrection, three days and three nights in the belly of the earth to save us, and he rose again for our justification. So salvation is from the Lord. This story of Jonah is a pointer to the great uh, salvation of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, that greater Jonah. And so tonight, how do you know if you're saved? <laughs> you know, do you have that salvation? Um, the passage is asking us to test ourselves. You know, do we trust in God alone, or do we trust in maybe our family and our family's faith or our parents' faith or, 
you know, our knowledge of the Bible, our knowledge of growing up in the church, uh, like many of you did, or do you truly, you truly repented and believed in Jesus and understand that you need him? So um, if you're sensing your sin because of COVID-19, ask God, like God, reveal my heart, you know, search me and know me, like Psalm 139 says, test me, see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in your truth. And so today's the day of salvation. Today's also the day to continue to repent and have renewal um, by repenting and going back to Jesus. So it's a good day to uh, look to Jesus wherever you are, and he is there because um, salvation is from the Lord, and we now know that through the Lord Jesus Christ ultimately. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this time, and thank you for my friends. I pray that you bless our um, small groups as we uh, share with one another and pray for one another, and we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. All right.